talking about the power of God over the next few weeks. And, you know, something that I truly believe is that Christians have yet to really tap into the power of God. Christians have yet to really, followers of Christ have really, because, you know, when Jesus made the promise and he said that we will, uh, we will see more miracles than he performed himself, how many of you guys know that's not really happening right now? Am I right? I mean, do you see that happening in your life? Do you see that happening with people around you? How many of you guys, you know, we've prayed for a lot of people, and we've seen some people healed, and we've seen some people go on and be with the Lord, and so, and sometimes we try to reason that out, but I just believe there's something deeper in understanding about God's power, understanding His power and how He wants to work in our lives, and so we're going to be talking about that. We're still going through the book of Acts and talking about uh, and using that, uh, just our theme for this year is Acts 29, we are still stepping out and doing what God's called us to do. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about his power. I did skip a few verses a few weeks ago as we were going through the book of Acts because I wanted to talk about them on today, on this day, all right? So how many of you guys remember when something significant happened in your life? How many of you guys know those memories are there, right? We have those significant memories. Last week, we, Miss um, Wanda Wallace, we had our service here on Wednesday, to, and uh, thank you to every that came and helped serve and everybody helped make meals. It was just an, an incredible time. But we talked a lot about significant moments in her life. We talked about a lot about significant moments in Wanda's life. And those are all times, it's usually what we do at a service is we talk about those moments, that there are significant moments. You know, today it's Super Bowl Sunday, all right? And so some of you guys, you got skin in the game like my team's playing, you know. Uh, some of you might be rooting for Tampa Bay. Some of you might be rooting for Kansas City. Uh, I, you know, it's funny, I was, I was asking Stephen, I said, is there any prophetic words about the Super Bowl today? Just wondering. But, you know, we got all these things that are happening right now, and we got significant moments. And so our team, are they going to win? Is it going to be a significant? time. I remember winning games myself. Those are things that uh, I'll never forget. I remember uh, playing baseball and all of a sudden, you know, where uh, I w was pretty privileged to be on some pretty decent teams and we won a lot of games and won some tournaments and won some uh, season trophies. And every time we won those things, I remember just uh, being so excited about that. There's nothing about like some sort of a dog pile in the middle of a field after you've won a game uh, that's significant in your life. Some of you guys might have significant moments of when your children were born. Uh, mine wasn't so significant. It was all right, but I'm just kidding. But, but you know, we had those significant moments that we'll always remember. We remember the day in which those things happened. We remember the day we graduated from high school or maybe uh, got a, graduated from college. And so over the next two weeks, I want to talk to you about a very significant event in the church, a day that is written in history but it's messed everybody up. This is probably one of the most conflicting things that the church will talk about as we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, some days these are days it makes people want to squirm in their chair, uh, or maybe some people are like, I, it, it just really moves us beyond a place that God is just up there in the sky to bring us into a relationship that God's really inside of my heart. And so it's a significant moment in the church, though, is when, uh, when this event happens. So if you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, uh, verse number 4 and 5. Acts chapter 1, verse number 4 and 5. If you don't have a Bible, you can open it. Uh, there's a few Bibles there. 
for you guys to use if you want to do that. And I can even tell you the page number here in just a second. It's on page 905. 905. So Acts chapter 1, verse number 4 and 5. It says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but just in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So as we're looking at this verse, he opens up and he says, once when he was eating with them. Do you know when the Bible says some things, I believe that... uh, that everything that the Bible writes is a very significant point in Scripture. And so, Jesus ate with them. Why is it so important for us to understand that Jesus ate with them? What is the significance of the fact that Jesus ate with them? Well, the Bible says that Jesus died already, and he was raised from the dead. And so when Jesus sat down and ate with them, it showed him his humanity, that he really was a human being that was raised from the dead, and he was hungry. So when he sat down and he ate with them, I mean, it was just like, to these disciples, can you imagine this moment of sitting down with, I mean, this Jesus, we saw him die on the cross, right? I mean, he was bloody, battered, and beaten. There's no way that Jesus survived the cross. We, we, we saw the tomb. It was sealed, right? And, and, and that rock that was placed there, I mean, that was just almost humanly possible to, to be able to move this rock all by himself. And, and, and Jesus was in the tomb. He was dead. And now we're sitting here eating with him. Jesus in the flesh. As a matter of fact, Jesus went to his disciples when he sat down. He said, come touch my body so that you can tell that I'm, I'm fleshly, right? It's not like you're going to come touch his body and your hand's going to fall through his hands because he's invisible. No, he's flesh. He was flesh and bone at that moment. And so Jesus literally did something that no man has ever done before is he overcame death. Paul writes, he says, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? Jesus overcame death. He was all human sitting. And I love that. I mean, because you know what? You know, when we see people something like that with him, to sit down with him and be able to sit and to, to dine with somebody like that, what a significant moment for them. So the Bible says that Jesus ate with them. And then it goes on to write that Jesus commanded them. Everybody say command. Command, right? The word command is a military term used to describe an order that's being given. And so Jesus, when it says Jesus commanded them, he was just about to put an order, just like a a military commander would do with with those that are serving under him. And as he gives them a command, this is not, how many of you guys know a command is not a, well, if you want to kind of do it kind of a thing, right? Or maybe if you feel like doing it today, this is what I need you to do. Maybe if you just kind of, let's just think about this for a moment, that's what I need you to do. That, you know, that's, that's not what a command is. A command is, this is, I need you to do this. You know, when you lead people, there are times that you kind of guide them along, and then there's times that it's a time of importance, it's a time of significance, it's a time of something being strong. And it's a time, you don't have time to ask questions, it's a time to give a command. 
Jesus looked at his disciples and he was doing just that. He commanded them. And the command was to get ready. This command was a command to be ready for the fulfillment of the promise that God was, had already told them about. And so Jesus said, I want you to stay here and I want you to be in Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he had promised them. That was his command to them. So he said, stay right here and I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to go anywhere else. You know what? If they would have left, can you, do you ever think about the opposite of something? Sometimes I do that when I'm understanding Scripture. Sometimes I, I think about the opposite of something. What if the disciples would have said, well, forget that, I'm out. It kind of makes me wonder that if everything that Jesus did would now have been done for nothing. Would we be in the church right now had they left? I really don't know the answer to that. I'm sh- maybe Jesus, you know, but can you imagine the heartbreak of Jesus? I just spent three years with these guys. I poured my life into these guys, and they can't follow one simple command. But that's not what they did. They stayed because they knew that this was necessary. And Jesus reminded them that the Father had given a gift for them. And so the Father had a gift for them. I mean, what a moment. So Jesus was always talking about, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I only do what I see the Father do. And so there's always this reference with the disciples of a constant reference of the Father. And so one of the things that Jesus said is that there is a gift that the Father is going to give you. And this is from God the Father, Abba Father, that he has something special that he wants to give you, something that will change your life. So I want you to do me a favor. Don't think in a natural perspective right now. Think in a more heavenly perspective. Think of yourself from being from heaven and you're looking down on this situation. That our Father was right there and he said, I'm going to send them a gift. You see, I believe everything in heaven and the spirit realm can trump everything in the natural. That whatever God does in the spirit can overcome everything that happens in the natural. And so we talk about going in the power of God. We talk about flowing in the power of God. Well, what God was going to give them was a gift. And this gift, the Bible talks about, is going to give them power to be witnesses all throughout the world. And so this father was going to send them a gift. And this gift literally is something that's going to change the world. I want to tell you this. I know we got a lot of trouble in our world right now. I know that there's a lot of political and governmental and underlying things that are happening in our world today. I don't believe for one bit that this COVID virus was, an, was, was some sort of an accident that happened in a wet market. Now, I have my opinion, you can have yours, and so you're free to do that. I just have the microphone at this point, right? And I can talk loud. But I don't believe it was something that happened to the wet market. I do believe it's a biological, some sort of a biological weapon that was being used that's changed our world. But I'm not afraid. Now, that is my personal opinion. I think that there's 
sources out there that would probably verify it. There's probably sources out there that would probably tell me that I'm wrong as well. So whatever you want to take, right? But here's the deal. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it either. I don't spend a lot of time being in worry about it. Why? Because I know that greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world, and that there is a power that is greater than this virus. I mean, think about this virus. Wherever it started, however it started, it spread like a wildfire, all, not, just, not just in a country, not just in a few countries, but literally all across the world, and literally shut the earth down and brought it to its knees. I'm going to tell you what, we serve a God that is bigger than the COVID virus, and there is a power that is at working within us that literally literally can bring this earth to a totally different place and be able to see God move in great and mighty ways if the church will only believe that, listen, it's beyond just attending a church, but believing that we can make a difference in this world in a powerful way to see this world transformed, that we literally have a father that believes that there is something that he has his best interest at heart and he has our best interest at heart, that he loves us and he cares for us and there is a world out there there that needs to know about our Father. And just like this virus spread, I'm telling you, God's power can spread even greater and cause an even bigger disruption than what this COVID virus did. Not to destroy people, but to give people life. The COVID virus came and tried to destroy and kill. The Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. How are they going to get that life? Through the power of God working through God's people as his representatives. So Jesus said to them, stay here, hang out, don't leave Jerusalem because God's got a gift for you. This gift is meant for you to give. This gift is going to be a power that is going to reside on the inside of you so that you could be God's witnesses throughout Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth is what the Bible says. I like it when people say, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. But it's a good word, right? It's God's word. The gift is a tangible substance that is a blessing to the receiver. What is this gift? What is this gift? Jesus said this is a gift that's been promised, as I told you before. And he writes in verse 5, John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So all of a sudden, Jesus brings up a theological discussion. Jesus brings up some Bible stuff, right, for us to understand. He says, John baptized in water. Now, right behind this curtain, we have a baptismal tank where we dunk people down until they get saved. I'm just kidding. That's not true. But once somebody has given their life to the Lord, and they, they, they take that next step of being baptized, we have a baptismal tank. And Jesus said, John baptized with water. And so that baptism is literally a baptism with water where we put people in there. And the, the word baptism comes from the word baptismo, which means to be immersed. And so when you're baptized in water, you're literally immersed under the water. Right? And so, no, we don't hold you down. We just put you down. Right? I did have a friend. You know a funny story? I had a friend that uh, baptized somebody and um, one of the first times they ever did it. And so they put him, they go to baptize him and they didn't go all the way under. I mean like almost, like 95%, right? So he stood up, he goes, man, you got to go down again. 
<laughs> took some right down again. I thought, all right, you got to get them all the way under. I did baptize somebody one time that had really big bangs. The bangs didn't go all the way under. I thought, do I need to do this again? But I didn't do it. So. <laughs> Remember the big bangs? All right. There's the big bang theory, and then there's the big bang hair, right? <laughs> so, anyways. So there's this baptism in water. That's one thing. And then Jesus said, John baptized you in water, but we're going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So there is an additional baptism that is beyond the baptism in water. I mean, did I, re- did I read that right? John baptized you in water, but we will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. There's two different baptisms. As a matter of fact, uh, I would even venture to say that there's probably more than even two baptisms. A baptism means to be immersed. So, so John baptized in water, but we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So how is it? What is the differences there? What is the change? So when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're not using water. So Luke chapter 2, 3, verse 16, it said, John answered their question. So John is talking to a crowd, John the Baptist. So John baptized in water. He's talking to the crowd, and he says, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. He's talking about Jesus, so much greater that I'm not worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So there will be a baptism in water. That's what I'm doing. But when Jesus comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. A second baptism. Not just one. I know some people believe that that, that there's just one, but I I can't, that's not, I, I can't find that. In Scripture, there's more than one. Baptism means to be immersed. John baptized with water. Baptism in water, I want you to hear this, is a prophetic act of what God is doing inside someone's heart. They are being washed, and they now have a clean heart. And so when you are baptized, you're basically saying to the public, I have been washed, and I am set free, and I am clean, and I am right with God. So there is an outward sign. So baptism is not something that is hidden. It's not something that you keep secret. I've had people ask me before, can I be baptized, but I don't want to do it in public. I don't want anybody to know. I said, no, that goes against the whole essence of baptism because baptism is a public expression. It is something on the outside of of identifying with something that's gone on on the inside. So you're letting everybody know. You're telling everybody about it. So baptism is an outward expression a prophetic act of something that's happened inside. So when he says about the baptism in water, what about the baptism in the Holy Spirit? So what happens when Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit? What happens when Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit? So now we're going to look. So we look at Acts 1, 4, and 5, where Jesus is talking about John baptized you with water, or that, you know, to stay here and don't leave, and that you are going to be, uh, that Jesus, my Father is going to send you a gift, and that you, John baptized with water, but you will now be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So what he's saying is, it's coming. Something's coming. So what happened? 
All right, so we see Jesus. So let's draw it. Jesus said baptism. He's going to baptize us. What's it look like? Well, we know what it looks like to be baptized in water, right? We put you in the tank, put you down, we got that. Well, what's it look like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, here's the only example we got. is found in Acts, not the only example, but the first example. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. Writes this. We're going to read the first four verses. On the day of Pentecost, all believers were in, in I, I'm not going to be able to go through all of this today. But it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled my page turner here. It filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. When they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was a change that happened to them. I believe when you're baptized in water, there is a change that happens to you. What he says, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was something that visibly changed in them. So they are waiting in Jerusalem. So let's get this picture. Jesus said, wait. So the Bible says they went to a place called an upper room. What that room was like, I don't know. There was uh, uh, probably a, a building, and they were upstairs. That's kind of where I get my picture of it. I could be wrong. But there was this upper room that people were there, and the Bible says that they were there waiting. And we talked about them getting their house in order, doing different things like that last week. But all of a sudden, everybody say suddenly, something shifted in the atmosphere. As they were praying, Something shifted. Guys, this is where we get our Pentecostal name, right? Because it was the day of Pentecost. Something shifted. Something changed. We are people that understand a shift. We are people that understand. And matter of fact, I think it's really sad when we quit looking for a shift. When we quit looking for something to change. When we quit looking for the atmosphere to be different. That there is a time of when we do can at home or even being gathered together. That there is a, a presence that can change. That we're not just coming through and going through the motions. But we literally can come to a place of believing that there is a presence that can change in the atmosphere in which we're, and, and then what happens with that presence is something changes within us and something changes with people that are around them. We're not meant to be here and just hang out. We're come with an expectation for something to happen. So what happened? There's two points that I'm going to bring out as we go in here. And so we're going to talk about this over the next several days. I really felt like we need to spend some time on this because I want you to understand what was going on. The first thing, it says they felt the Spirit like they had never felt the Spirit before. They felt the Spirit like they'd never felt the Spirit before. I don't know about you guys, but I love an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And if you say, I don't know what you're talking about, encounter with the Holy Spirit, it's, it, let me describe it. It's kind of like finding that first love. Finding that one person that you just enjoy being around. 
but in a more powerful way. Of being able to, to be able to sense that, that there's something greater that is happening. There's something greater than me. There's something that's moving. It's, you know, when I, when I sense the Spirit moving, there's a hope that comes on the inside of me. There is a desire to say, you know what? Something can happen in this place. You know, how many of you guys know when you, when you watch the news, you don't really get that sense? Right? When you watch the news, it, it, there, there's a lot of times that there, there really becomes a presence to where you see a lot of negative things that are happening, and you, you, don't ha- you don't leave the place with a lot of hope, do you? But when you get into the presence of God, and you, you, you have that encounter with Him, there is hope that comes on the inside of your heart. There is a belief that God could do something miraculous, that God is doing something, that all these ch- things that are going on in the world today, they are happening, but yet we know that we serve a greater God that can do greater things. And there is a relationship that comes as a result of that. There is a connection. Everybody say connection. There is a connection that happens. And so all of a sudden, you know, the disciples, they've been traveling around with Jesus. And they've been having one-on-one encounters with Jesus. Now Jesus is ascended and now they're meeting the Holy Spirit like they've never met the Holy Spirit before. The room, the Bible says, was shaken because, you know, I'm going to tell you, God is so powerful. He is so mighty. I will tell you this, if he manifested himself fully in his presence right now, we'd probably all be sucking rugs. Smith Wigglesworth talked about prayer and being with, with God in prayer, and Smith Wigglesworth was a man that that was a man that prayed often, and one guy decided that he was going to go in and pray with Smith Wigglesworth. And so he was in a room praying with Smith Wigglesworth. There was a presence that filled that room that was so incredible. The man literally 15 minutes after being in prayer with him crawled out of that room and said, I can't handle anymore. What a, what a presence. What a change. What an encounter. And he said they felt the Spirit. John chapter 3, verse 8 says this, The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. You don't always visibly be able to see the Spirit, but you can experience the Spirit. You know, I, I've taken a class before on charismatic moves and really talking about the history of the Pentecostal and charismatic church. One of the values that we have is that we believe you can have an experience with God. We believe that you can have an encounter with a holy God. We believe God still speaks to us we speak to him and it's more than just our father God it's Abba our father it's a relationship a personal relationship and so they felt the spirit like they never felt before the second thing they experienced is they prayed in a language they did not understand So Jesus gave them the the instructions, stay here in Jerusalem, and there's a gift that's going to come, but they didn't know what it even looked like. They didn't even know what, I mean, there there was no 
previous example, I mean, and these guys, I'll tell you right now, they weren't like Old Testament gurus about anything that was going on. These guys were just, I mean, they probably had some knowledge of things, but this experience was fresh to them. And being able to be in this presence was fresh to them. And so the Bible says that they began to pray in tongues. The Greek word for the word tongue is glossolalia. It means a language that they don't understand. They didn't know what they were saying when they were speaking it. You say, well, man, that is crazy. That is crazy. Well, maybe. But God is into crazy, according to our standards. I mean, after all, he did split the sea. God did some crazy things in the Bible. If God is really God, he's probably going to do things that's going to blow our mind away. Right? He's probably going to do some things that we don't understand. You know, when we try to understand God and everything that he does and why he does what he does, man, it just jacks with us every time. He's bigger than that. And so here is God, and all of a sudden, this, this moment happens where they felt the Spirit of God and they began to pray in a language that they had never heard of before. And so these things were a visible sign of what it meant to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus was talking about. This is the moment in which things were being said. And so all of a sudden, God was there and they began to pray in this language that they had never heard of before. And they had an encounter with God. And then the Bible says that the room was, it was like tongues of fire. All these things are very important things that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. And understanding that, that there are, when God poured out his spirit, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was such a radical change. It changed their world. This was a day that no one will ever forget. It was a day that changed their life. You know, I believe, I've really been praying about what to do with this. But I'm going to tell you this. I think in the days ahead, one of the greatest tools not tools, but one of the greatest things that we can do is experience the Holy Spirit and let God use us to minister to other people. You know, uh, I've been thinking about stuff. I think a lot. I think a lot. One of the things... You know, I'm so thankful for programs that help us to feed people. I'm thankful for social type things. I think that's so important that we're a part of that. But I will tell you this. It's got to go beyond that. It's got to go to a place of transformation. And these disciples on that day were transformed. They were transformed. I mean, they had been with Jesus for three years. Their world had already been transformed. And now they encounter the Holy Spirit like this? Wow. What a tremendous thing.
for them to see God do a miracle like that. Would you stand to your feet? Father, your works are so beautiful. The things that you do, how you work, Father, it is absolutely incredible. And Father, I ask you right now to stir fire up inside of us for us to see greater works. I thank you, Father, right now. Come on, if you really, truly desire to say, you know what? I want to be used by God. Not just used by God, but I want to have an encounter with God. I want to be able to know this relationship with God like pastors talking about. Like when we read, like we see this Jesus of the Bible. We see the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to just not read about it. I want to experience it for myself. I mean, who in here is ready today to say, Father, show me you. Holy Spirit, show me you. I want to know you. So, Father, I just pray over this group today. I scream it as loud as I possibly can this morning, that there is a power that is in us that is desiring to work outside of us, but there is a relationship that you desire as a father. And I just pray right now that you stir that up on the inside of us today, that we stir up an encounter with God. That, oh, Father, I thank you that we can stir that up. I thank you, Father, that we can desire those things, that we literally can believe that there is an encounter that we can have with God that will change our lives forever. And Father, that we can know you in such a special and awesome and privileged way. Lord, we lift you up and thank you for it. Thank you for all that you're doing, Lord. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that's inside of us. Come on, church. Dig deep this morning. I desire you. I desire you today. Oh, Father, I glorify you today. Oh, Holy Spirit. Stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. It's what Paul told Timothy to do. Stir that gift up. I stir that up by saying, Father, it's in my desire. That desire to know you. That desire to love you. That desire to honor you. Father, I glorify you. I thank you for all that you're doing, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you right now, church, there are things to heaven, things to the kingdom we've yet to experience on this earth that God desires for us to not die to experience it. God desires for us to experience it now. God wants to do a great work in your life. If you're in this place today and you say, you know what? I need Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. If that you in this place say, man, if I died today, I don't know where life would be after earth. I'm ready to know him. If that you in this place, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air and say, Pastor, I just want you to pray with me. Just raising your hands, just an acknowledgement and say, man, I know who you are. But I'm ready to know God. One, two, three. Would you slip your hand in the air? I'm ready to know Jesus. I'm ready to know Him. Amen. Can we all pray this together? Say, Father, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and that you raised Him from the dead for me. Be the Lord of my life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we, today I just planted a seed of hunger. You know, and I'll be honest with you, some days you just kind of have days where, you know, you just got to really prime that pump. And some days you wake up and the engine's just blowing and ready to go, right? Do me a favor this week. Prime the pump all week. Father, I thank you that today was an encounter with you and that when I come, that I'm just going to start praying for people in our church to experience what does it mean to walk in the power of God and the Pentecost that you desire us to be. Church, we are a spirit-filled people. We are a spirit-filled people. Last week, I was just thinking of a few things that were going on and said, Lord, you never called me just to give food out to somebody. You called me to go beyond that, to see a transformed heart. Lord, lead us in that way. This church is, and I believe fire transforms. I do. I believe the Holy Ghost fire transforms. God, you called us to do that. Amen. Amen. Father, bless these people today as they leave. I thank you, Father, that in the name of Jesus, they're blessed going in and blessed going out. I thank you, Father, that whatever they encounter this week, there's a faith that will stir inside of them and know that they can accomplish anything that they put their hand to because your favor is upon them. Lord, I thank you for your protection over them. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And I thank you that they are blessed coming, blessed going. They're the heads, not the tail. And they're above and not beneath. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you guys. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Please stay warm. Guys, don't let the cold hold you from being back here next Sunday. It's going to be a good 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 next Sunday. It's going to be a good.